Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We are glad you can join us here today. We have a great guest with us here tonight, but first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation car care. Locally owned, professionally operated, whatever you drive, we service. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, diesel. Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics. Five convenient neighborhood locations. How may we be of service? I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. And today we welcome Steve Gregg, Business Unit Manager for Auctions and Dealers for ClassicCars.com. Steve is a seasoned automotive professional and entrepreneur who founded the Stables in Scottsdale, Arizona, which brokered exotic and collector cars. He then joined Barrett-Jackson as an automotive specialist and brand ambassador. Later, he joined Haggerty as their West Coast Private Client Services Manager, where he developed Haggerty's first ever profit driving event, the Haggerty Touring Season Series, which remains a Haggerty Drivers Club member favorite even to this day. Um, we are here to discuss ClassCars.com and their ongoing initiatives, and we also want to thank Rachel Colbert for her time and assistance in setting up this podcast. Steve, welcome to the show. You've got quite an automotive resume we'd like to hear more about. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. So so how long have you been now with uh, ClassicCars.com? So I've been with ClassicCars.com about two years now. And I was brought on board here to kind of uh, take the next evolution, if you will, with ClassicCars.com. And it was adding an online auction site. Okay. And that is our latest and, and greatest brand addition to the collector car network called Auto Hunter. Right. And Auto Hunter launched about six months ago. And in that short time, we welcomed about almost 600,000 users across 194 countries. Gotcha. We have, uh, gosh, 165,000 email subscribers now. Mm-hmm. And we've listed about 400 cars. Uh, so well, we have been busy in that two year stint in launching auto hunter absolutely and i and i actually subscribed to auto hunter so i get uh i get the cars that i awesome. have yeah oh yeah it's it's great I, i've i get daily mail from classiccars.com and it's great because i'm an early riser and by six o'clock in the morning you you, you pop open your emails and there there's the journal from the classiccars.com and there's plenty of content there which is which is just fantastic so how is the auto hunter initiative uh coming along i know it's six months into the into the initiative there. You know, it's been fantastic. We definitely see it as a, uh, a busy space right now. There's lots of competition, lots of entrants, mm-hmm. uh, lots of comers and goers, if you will. Uh, I think we have the staying power and we're standing tall with classiccars.com behind us. So classiccars.com was launched in, oh gosh, uh, 2002 by our CEO and founder, Roger Falcioni. So we've been around quite a while, and, and he was one of the, the first guys here to enter the classic uh, classified ad listing service online mm-hmm. with ClassicCars.com. So we have, we've built this network of buyers and sellers uh, over several years. We have almost 4.5 million visitors to ClassicCars.com alone uh, and over 30,000 cars sold. So we have that asset behind us, if you will, to help us drive Auto Hunter in the marketplace. Oh, that's wonderful. And Steve, uh, I think you're kind of already alluding to this, the answer to this question, but some folks might ask, well, why would I choose an online auction versus an in-person auction? 
Yeah, that's a great question, guys. You know, I spent a little time at Barrett Jackson, as you mentioned in the intro there, as an automotive uh, specialist. And when I compare a brick-and-mortar auction to an online auction, there is so much of a significant savings in time and financial commitment. So if you look at a brick-and-mortar auction, I'm going to give you an example. We sold a 64 uh, Fairline Thunderbolt. Fantastic car, fully restored, uh, super rare. We sold it for $217,000 nice. uh, nice. early on in the auto hunter world. Yes, yeah, so we're so proud of that sale. But if you look at that car, for example, in a brick-and-mortar situation, uh, a buyer at that 217000 is going to pay about a 10% buyer's commission. Okay. So that buyer's going to add another $20,000, $25,000 on top of that selling price, and the seller is going to pay a seller's commission. Uh, on, on the consignment side, and they're going to be fifteen to twenty thousand dollars into it. You're going to have a two thousand dollar lot fee to enter the car, and then you're going to have to ship the car to, and if it doesn't sell, from as well back home. Right. So, right. Uh, and then you're going to have to be there at the auction to babysit it, answer questions in person. Um, with the online auction, it's it's uh, super simple. We have a ninety nine dollar and ninety nine cent listing fee. That's all the seller pays. And on the buy side, we charge a six and a half percent buyer's premium of the selling price, capped at sixty five hundred dollars. Gotcha. Okay. And the car car remains in your garage. You answer questions online. Uh, it is super simple. So I think we're, we're seeing a, a evolution here in the auction process, going from brick and mortar to online. Gotcha. And you'll see all the brick and mortar auctions now having their online segment as well that they've been launching uh, recently. And along with that idea, you know, eBay is a huge uh, seller of automobiles, which which I've come to learn over the last year. Um, and I've noticed that you have over 3, 33,000 cars listed at ClassicCars.com. Being going into the digital age and what you just mentioned about the cost of brick-and-mortar auctions, uh, do you really see that trend continuing to climb for the next several years, or do you see a plateau in the near future as far as the online auction, online listings uh, for the classic cars and just uh, automobiles in general, or in general? You know, I definitely, I definitely, it's a good question. I definitely see a paradigm shift in the way uh, classic car owners buy and sell vehicles, without a doubt. And the pandemic is, is one example of this, of, of the change, I think, in, in the way consumers are doing business. Yeah, kind of force that the issue. online space. Right. Exactly. And I think uh, it was great timing for us. We'd already planned to, to launch Auto Hunter and the pandemic just kind of uh, catapulted that and, and pushed us along. Right place but, at the right uh, time. I do see, yeah, the consumer not being as comfortable and confident, maybe um, going in and, and doing as much business in, in person or at least having more confidence and, and comfort in doing business online because it is becoming more uh, of a normalcy. So, I do see uh, the growth there um, and the, the progression of the online um, continuing to grow and uh, expand. So I, I think for the collective car network, uh, we're in a great position here to, uh, to be a premier space to uh, support online buying and selling of, of collector cars for sure. Outstanding. Now, what and you were explaining the differences between the online auction versus the in-person auction. So, for what you do, uh, what does like I guess 
without you know, I mean, you can get into as much detail as you'd like to. What does the um, what does the auction process look like for uh, a bidder and for the seller? Is there do they have like a dashboard where they say, okay, here's where it's going? Um, is there a set time uh, for these to roll sure. out, or um, how does that work? Definitely, I'll give you a little overview of. of how we go about an online auction. So it's it's really simple, and we've tried to uh, keep it as simple as pos- possible and not overcomplicate things for our user. Our demographic follows that of ClassicCars.com, which tends to be a little bit of an older demographic mm-hmm. that has the focus on um, uh, classic cars, muscle cars, uh, 70s cars, and maybe not quite as computer savvy as some of the late model collectors and, and some of the younger um, demographic. So we designed a site to be as simple as possible and the process to be as simple as possible. So from a consignment standpoint, we have a submission process that basically captures VIN number, year, make, model, little information on the vehicle, a couple photos, and that gets off over into our automotive specialist department. So we have a team of specialists that will curate these vehicles take a look at uh, everything that the seller is saying it is as far as trying to vet the VIN, trying to vet authenticity, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the case may be. We go through that exercise. If it does meet curation, we're comfortable with what the consigner submitted. We'll reach back out and talk to that consigner, accept the vehicle for auction. And then it moves along the process to our account rep and our writers. So we write all the vehicle descriptions for the consigners. They don't have to do that themselves. Gotcha. Okay. We um, take all that information in and we build a uh, preliminary listing, which includes the photography, everything you can see on a listing. It'll give in year, make, model, uh, the description uh, of the vehicle, which we call it the actual auction story. Tells a little bit of background about the vehicle and the ownership history along with photos. And that then gets previewed to the consigner for them to edit or accept. Upon acceptance, it goes into the scheduling queue to be scheduled. We're pretty rare in the marketplace, so we turn our uh, submissions around live to auction probably the quickest as anyone out there, probably two to three days. So you guys get online, you submit a car you want to sell, and we can have it live in, in again, two to three days. That's that's great. So the auction's... Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. We, we uh, had a, a chance to step back and build the, the workflow and the process as cleanly as we thought we could and hire uh, full staff against that workflow. And the efficiency has been wonderful. But once we accept it and schedule it, uh, all auctions run for seven days. And we start and end on weekdays. So no weekend auctions ending. Gotcha. And okay. so if you... If we schedule your car for Monday, it would end the following Monday, seven days. Oh, wow. And that, and then and that, that's I was going to say we can add and uh, reserve if you'd like, or you can run no reserve. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. And that, I mean, that sounds about as user-friendly from both the seller and the buyer that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And we've, 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 we've seen. Right. It's outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely. Bravo. Yeah. It's, uh, again, it's, it's pretty cool that we had the fact to see some of these other players out there that had already built their platform and launched a chance to look at maybe what they didn't quite do as well as we thought maybe they could. Mm-hmm. And we built this from the ground up actually during the pandemic. It's a pretty cool story that we developed this whole platform and the technical component uh, starting in March of last year. 
when the pandemic That's hit. Right. So we were That's all right. remote. Uh, Developers everywhere, yeah. the business guys everywhere. We did it all over Microsoft Teams. Um, and that's, you know, many times, seven days a week to get this thing launched. And uh, again, we had a chance to customize it and improve those areas we thought were, were poorly delivered by some mm. of the competition. Gotcha. Well, as we alluded to earlier, so many cars, over 33,000 cars listed. Um, aside from, well, there's one car we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show uh, that's not really associated with the classiccars.com. And one that is, I noticed, um, let me go with my question first. What are, do you have any notable cars that have come across uh, you that really set aside like, wow, we really hit the jackpot with this car? Um, and then I did notice earlier, I was checking out and we had a conversation uh, pre-show about the 77 Bronco that you had listed uh, at ClassicCars.com. Uh, with a hefty price tag. Uh, are you familiar with that car? Uh, yes, I have seen that. So when it comes, you know, when we look at the two different properties, classiccars.com and Auto Hunter, mm-hmm. classiccars.com gives that owner an opportunity to set whatever asking price they desire. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. If they think that 77 Broncos worth 180,000 right. more power to you. Right. You know, okay. let her rip. <laughs> well, we and were having then, a little discussion on uh, <laughs> uh, that was an expensive uh, car or best offer, it said, but still, regardless, yeah, uh, it had a hefty, hefty yeah, price tag. Yep. Yeah. But you know, yeah. Cars. And then when it comes to Auto Hunter, you submit the car, it does go through a vetting process and a market valuation with our specialist team. Mm-hmm. So we would come right back and say, hey, based on our uh, due diligence here and assessment of the market today, if you're to sell this car, we think it's worth X and we're not interested in it. If you're not realistic in the, in the market gotcha. price, because right. it doesn't help either of us. If we run a car across the auction, it doesn't sell if it's not realistic uh, for the auction. So right. Right. Um, we try to arrive at that market correct price before we launch it on auto hunter, but classiccars.com, mm-hmm. you're free to list it for Maybe. whatever, price tag you nice. wish anything right. goes yeah. right <laughs> there you go <laughs> well it's exactly. worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it that's exactly you know? right yeah that's right well and that's an, a, a great yeah, service that you offer because uh, you know some people say this is my baby it's worth uh hundred and twenty thousand dollars you'll say well i bet it is worth that to you but what people are buying these for nationally internationally this is about what it's going for, and when you're looking at the higher end of it, your experts will say, does it have A, B, and C? And they'll say, well, it's got B. I'm like, okay, that's going to put it in – I'm sure you have different tiers of some of these cars that, that are sold that you have the history on that can that you can help counsel the seller uh, as far as to we help We do, and, and along those lines, you know, I, and I've, I've trained my team accordingly – I learned quite a great deal at Barrett And as you can imagine, the number of cars that come through oh, yes. uh, in the door there of consigners wanting to get the car across the block is crazy. And not all those cars that come in can be placed. And the other component of Barrett Jackson is it's all no reserve. So oh, wow. I learned when consigners submitted a vehicle, most of the people wanted to get a reserve placed on it, but there was no such thing. So, I had to have that discussion with that person. You guys are exactly right. 
that it's personal. These are like children of the family. Mm-hmm. I've right. had this 34 Ford uh, from my grandfather for 35 years, 40 years. It's worth this much. I know it, right? And, and my buddy Jim told me it's worth twice what I think it's worth. <laughs> right, right. And, right, and they have all the experts around them, right, giving them misinformation. So we had to do our due diligence in, in researching complimentary uh, sales mm-hmm. with Bear Jackson's fantastic because uh, we had sold, you know, tons of cars in the mm-hmm. past. And we had, so we had comps to, to reference, right. but you had to go through that song and dance of here's really what the market is on your vehicle without offending them. Sure. So it's, yep, it's uh, right. a, a, yeah, a, a gray area there and a tightrope to walk. Uh, but we use a lot of those same methodologies here at, at auto hunter to help educate the seller the because seller. a lot of these That's people, right aren't familiar with the market. The market moves quickly. Right. Uh, it is ever changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it's worth today isn't what it was worth uh, one year ago, two years ago, right? It's, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, we have to have that discussion. So we do have, we have price guides, we pull up comps, we have a whole system in place that we put together a market valuation of saying your car is worth X based on this data. So we have something to provide to them that's supporting our estimate. And, you know, a lot of these guys, they no way, you know, it's worth a ton more. Mm-hmm. And some of those are, are neat enough cars that will run and hopefully have that discussion as we get closer to conclusion of the auction that, you know, your car really is worth this and look where the bidding is. And we can get them to adjust their reserve or drop their reserve towards the end of the auction. Gotcha. Steve, so have you ever had any? There are a lot of things we 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 use that brick and mortar auctions use that we use that same approach at Auto Hunter. Very cool. Now, have you ever had the opposite of that? I was just thinking when you were talking about you know that that um, counseling approach that you take with a with a seller. Have you ever had a seller come in saying, uh, it's worth this, and you say, uh, no, sir, it's actually worth a whole lot more than that. You need to increase what your selling price is. Has that ever happened? You know, unfortunately, it just doesn't. The okay. majority of these guys think their car is, is worth all the money. Okay. And um, we do see cars that come in where we'll put a value on it, mm-hmm. uh, where we think it is, and it'll blow past that. And it'll bring, you know, maybe 20 30% more than what we thought. But uh, pretty much 99.9% of the time, the consigner comes in with a higher number than, than market. Okay. Well, along those same lines, um, with having so many transactions and having so many cars on the site, your data analytics should be collecting tons of data. So when people do bring you a car, um, do you all ever have any data available to show that seller um, or that the person that's wanting to put their car up on auction? Here is a price range that you can kind of expect based on what we've received and what we've sold just to kind of help you know, give them peace of mind? We do. So we have, we have two price points there or data points, if you will, one on auto hunter, one on classiccars.com. Classiccars.com. We have, you know, uh, a ton of data, like you said, over the history of, of time here, but those data points represent uh, asking prices. So it gives us a, a, a good idea we don't necessarily know on that site what happens to the car. We can get the seller report back and a classified ad that I sold the car, take the ad down. 
but we don't necessarily know what the car sold for. Gotcha. But on the auto hunter side, we do know exactly what that car sold for. So we have two data points that we can provide uh, to the consigner. And yes, that certainly helps. And we do give a range, which of, kind of, you know, 20 to 25,000 is our best estimate. Right. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, folks that have the, you know, high dollar classic cars uh, that, that show them at shows and things don't really like to brag or disclose what they paid for the car, or what they put into it to build it. Uh, it's kind of a personal thing. Exactly. I mean, that's totally understandable. And, you know, one of the leaders, I think, in the data space is Haggerty. And, and I spent a few years working with McKeel and the team there. Uh, phenomenal organization, great guys. And they have tons of data. You know, they have actually boots on the ground at all the brick-and-mortar auctions, collecting data points of sales and, and condition of those vehicles. And they also get their insurers to provide information when they can, when they cancel a policy and that insurer says the car is sold they try to get the selling price from them. So they have a, a neat database of uh, actual sales from their consigners, uh, as well as brick and mortar. And now they're adding online auction sales as well. So uh, that's a great piece of, of data. And we do use their valuation tool in assessing uh, vehicles with market prices as well. Very nice. Uh, let's take a quick moment and ask our listeners to please check out our sponsor, GD Herring. GD Herring provides options on insuring not only your classic car, but for all of your collectibles. Please check them out at gdherring.com, and please join us at our new website, theclassiccarcorner.com, where you can access our shows, learn more about us, and what we are up to. We're speaking with uh, Steve Gregg. And Jason? Yes. The question I've got for Mr. Greg here is, what has been the most eclectic or coolest car that you've seen come across ClassicCars.com? I think it's our 64 Ford Fairlane Thunderbolt. Okay, okay, all right. Which I had mentioned earlier in our discussion, that was a spectacular car, fully restored, um, Never really raced, so it, it wasn't uh, wasn't damaged. It wasn't really uh, didn't live a hard life. So it was a real neat uh, original example that um, was really a success story for us in being able to auction that right uh, across the auction block. Well, as far as Fords go, the the late the mid to late sixties Ford Fairlanes are really cool cars to me. Yep, that I like the lines, the styles mm -hmm. uh, that they put out then. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah, and I'm definitely a, uh, a muscle car guy. So uh, growing up, uh, my father had a uh, a small collection, but uh, I had always dabbled in in muscle cars, and that was one of his likings as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let's so talk when about muscle cars real quick. Um, I read a little bit up on this, and uh, John's a little green with that, envy here, uh, so be prepared. I, we're all, yeah, we all are, uh, in envy of this because it's just not fair, Steve. Um, I see a '69 <laughs> Shelby GT500 at the age of 15. That's exactly where it's going. <laughs> yeah. now, now look, yeah. when I read that, I I had to. Do a double check, and that is just not fair, Steve. <laughs> I mean, you got most people's dream say, car before you could even drive. Oh, I'm sure he was driving it. <laughs> yeah, I was a, uh, a pretty lucky kid. Like I said, my dad was reliving his childhood. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us a little up, bit about um, that car. So that car, uh, it's a Grabber Blue. It's a four-speed, 428 Cobra Jet, mm. and we acquired it, oh, gosh, 
when I was 15, it had about 25,000 miles. But here's the catcher. I lived in Wisconsin. So all the old vehicles had their bouts with the elements of salt That's and right. corrosion. Yep. So uh, even though it was low-mile original car, uh, it had its, its rust issues. So uh, we did tend to it, correct it, uh, get it squared away. But uh, it is a blast to drive and uh, talk about torque. Uh, it's a fantastic <laughs> car. And I still have it today sitting in my garage. That's awesome. Do you get up. to drive it often? I do. I do. I, you know, my wife thinks I'm crazy because as we moved everywhere we went, that car's gone with me. There you go. And, First um, priority. I need to get a car. Yeah, home. I do take it out. And, and You know, it's, it's a very unique looking car with uh, the three ducks on the hood, mm-hmm. uh, the NASA ducks, and it gets a lot of attention as to uh, what in the world is it. But the funny thing is I have three teenagers. None of them have any interest in that car. I mean, that's so uh, yeah. You know, it's a manual transmission. There's no air conditioning, Dad. It's loud. It's noisy. <laughs> they you just, know, this is no fun. They don't know what they're so missing. So I think maybe the <laughs> exactly yeah right. I, I think maybe the car bug is uh, skipping uh, generations here. I don't know. It'll it'll there'll be that one moment that all of a sudden one of them will start going, "Hey, uh, hey, Dad, can I uh, can we take that out a little bit?" <laughs> right. I don't That's know what true. the adoption age cutoff is, but I'm 49. <laughs> I'm willing to be adopted. There you go. Dad, I love cars. I love it. Now, that brings me to an interesting thing because I know uh, Jason has teen has teenage uh, boys, and I notice that a lot of the generation now, they seem to not be as keen as driving as I know we were. I mean, we knew that the time that the, dri- the DMV office, the d- driver's testing office is going to open, if we had to make a reservation, we did it, I guess, three months ago. And they say, no, you do it the day before. Are you sure I can't make a reservation? I'm going to be 16. I'm going to come in and get my permit turned into this. For you, A, have you, did you, have you had that kind of reaction where your kids, you're talking about how they didn't weren't as keen into driving the Shelby, which, come on. But were they as, <laughs> as eager to get their driver's licenses as uh, other kids these days? Because it seems like they're like, eh, yeah, I'll get one, sure. You know, I would agree with you. It does seem to be a common theme that um, the driving bug isn't quite there. I was with you as well. At, at six o'clock in the morning on the day I turned 16, I was there yeah. waiting in line me too. to get yeah, that license, too. take the test. Right. Right. Um, you know, my daughter was first one to drive here. Uh, she did have that same uh, initiative to get her license right away. I think for her, it represents freedom away from her brother and sister Mm. and her parents, not so much the enjoyment of driving Mm. Uh, where for me and maybe you guys as well, it was the enjoyment of driving. Oh, sure. Uh, For me, I had a 69 GT 500 that needed to get on the road and someone needed to drive it. So, I mean, that was a driving force for me to go get my license. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Now that and brings terror right everywhere I could go. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, you beautiful. showed her how to lay a patch pretty good. You know, it's special treat for your sixteen. We went through driver's tires. license. Yeah, no question. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, what was now? Did you? What was the car you did your driver's test in? Because I would assume it's not the Shelby. 
You know, it was not the Shelby. No, uh, we didn't think that was a good idea <laughs> and uh, might not help with passing the test. So thinking back on it, my father always had a company car, which had to be domestic and a four-door. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a Buick Regal T-Type. Oh, no. That okay. actually, yeah, it actually had some, some good power and it was pretty sporty, but it was a big old boxy four-door. I remember those, um, yeah. Yep, exactly. So it was was nothing spectacular, but uh, it got the job done and passed on my first yeah. shot. There Thank you goodness. That's right. Oh, very cool. Well, um, a couple more questions uh, leaning back to the classiccars.com here, Steve. Um, so when I get on the website, um, there's some tabs. There's the Auto Hunter, obviously, which we've discussed. There's the Journal. Um, there's the Future uh, Collector Car Show. Uh, you've got the garage tab. There is an abundance of amount of information, data, and entertainment. And and as of late, um, there's um, uh, the gentleman I believe is Carl who will engage the uh, viewers of the website to caption his cartoon, which I think is fantastic. I've done it a couple times. I haven't won yet, but I'm going to get one one of these days. <laughs> um, I, I think it's I think it's just fantastic that you guys have this type of initiative that just keeps the enthusiast engaged. There's a plethora of different knowledge and and uh, all sorts of uh, data out there for someone, whether they're entry level or if they're a novice. And so, um, with that being said, where where do you see uh, the future in collector cars and and all that fun stuff as we continue to propel down the road here? You know, I think uh, right now the collector car network as a whole and all of our properties together drive 5.5 monthly online visitors okay. to our sites. Nice. Yep. So that tells you, yes, the, the demand is there in the, the classic car arena to um, a thirst, if you will, for information that our journal provides, a thirst for entertainment, like Carl, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and the thirst to buy and sell you know, 30, 35,000 collector cars available. Um, that speaks uh, quite a bit to the market today. Oh, sure. I think it's still going to be strong and the demand will be there, but I think there will be a shift in the type of vehicle the collectors are collecting and a shift in the demographic of that collector. We're already seeing that to a certain degree. I think the 50s classics and some of the muscle cars there's still demand there, but it's slowed a little bit where the premium examples are bringing the money. Any of the tributes, any cars that have some issues, you know, the, that's not strong money anymore like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing the, the 80s and the 90s vehicles tick up for sure. Our uh, future classic car show is another one of our properties that keeps growing and growing. Uh, we put on a, an event uh, last year during auction time here in Scottsdale in January, and we had uh, over 15,000 visitors uh, come walk the grounds and uh, 150 cars on display. Nice. And it was all geared towards late model and uh, oh, the younger okay. collector and younger gotcha. demographic. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I think that's where the future is going to go. Uh, I think there's always going to be a, a – a, demand in the classic and muscle car segment but i think it's going to slow a little bit i think it's going to plateau good cars will always be there as investments 
but I think some of these eighties and nineties cars are going to start kicking up as well as some of the, the low production exotic stuff. We see that already gotcha. um, for some of the high end collectors, but I think that's where the, the market's going to go. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not so much classic cars as it is collector cars. And that's where our focus is right now is, is how do we bring value assets and enjoyment to the collector car market? So you're a buyer, you're an owner, how do we best help you mm-hmm. engage with that ownership exercise, whether it's information and data, whether it's content, whether it's ways to buy and sell, whether it's service providers to help you uh, transport the car or care for cosmetic or mechanical, mm-hmm. all these things. When you own a collector car, mm-hmm. there's a lot to do and there's a lot unknown. We want to provide information and assets to help you Absolutely. own that collector car. Yeah. And that's where, the evolution of the collector car network's going. Gotcha. We'll have some new things coming online soon in the future uh, to watch out for. So it's an exciting time for us, for sure. And I think it's an exciting time for the collector car um, industry as a whole. Oh, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. So you just kind of mentioned a couple of terms. Do you see the term classic car kind of going away and more of the collector car phrase? You know, I, uh, in the future yeah. moving forward, and also, do you see more foreign influence so uh, coming into as a more taking over or taking a bigger chunk of the American muscle collector classic car, um, like the '69 Charger or your Shelby GT, uh, the Chevelle cars like that? Do you do you see more people uh, looking for collector or classic? like old Porsches or old Maseratis, old Rolls Royces, do you think the things like that come in, into the market? Um, or do you think, obviously it's going to fluctuate uh, from the countries, but in America, we like American muscle. Right. You know, everybody sure. does. You, classic car, you're talking about American muscle. But as far since it's, we're going global online, you know, everybody's involved. Do you see that shift or do you see any kind of trend of uptick of more foreign collector or classic cars coming into the American market? Sure. So to your first question, I think the term classic car will always be there, but I think the definition maybe of of what that classic car may be might evolve into uh, a later model car. But I still I do see the term collector car being used more often, maybe than classic. So with Auto Hunter, we're trying to stay away from the perception that we're just classic cars because right. of classiccars.com. Mm-hmm. That's right. the user's perspective, right? That's all we are. And most users think classic car is a 50, 60, 70 right. vehicle, right? That's in, what I do. In reality... <laughs> Yeah, if we're going back 25 years, you know, um, we're maybe a little later than that. So um, we'll see where things go. But I think uh, collector car seems to me as more of the term that's going to become the norm. Um, In regards to your second question, we do see quite a bit of foreign influence. On Auto Hunter right now, our users encompass 194 different countries. And we are seeing successful buyers uh, acquiring these vehicles at auction. And we have multiple questions a week. How do I ship a car to Finland? How do I ship a car to Germany? Um, so we do have 
international buyers. And I think from our perspective at Auto Hunter, we are trying to drive more foreign vehicles. I think uh, the Porsche market is, I mean, those guys are hardcore. You know, um, they're buying and selling all the time. And uh, Porsche made a spectacular car from the beginning, and they still do today. Highly collectible, uh, a blast to drive, reliable, and uh, for the most part, cost effective. So on Auto Hunter, we're trying to drive more of a mix of foreign cars as well as domestic. But again, we have this perception in the marketplace, classiccars.com is just American muscle and classics, right? Even though, even on classiccars.com, we have quite a bit of, of foreign vehicles listed. It's trying to break that perception that we're just American and domestic because there is an opportunity there mm-hmm. to uh, branch out and diversify the type of cars we're representing, buying and selling. Absolutely. Looking at classiccars.com, uh, uh, there's, there's a Ferrari Dino on there. There's a Porsche 911. There's a Triumph. Uh, so you do have, I mean, as far as a classic car, I think the turn, like you're a guy, like we're talking about, you know, that's a classic car. Cause we're looking at, I think we're looking at a year range there and then we get into uh collector cars, which is where, you know, we'll find that, you know, AMC, uh, Gremlin that Jason wants or <laughs> for you know, some my, reason that, that Volkswagen rabbit you can't find anymore. Stay or maybe a Scirocco or <laughs> You know, a Toyota Tercel, a Corolla or something like that, or an MR2. There's a place for those, and it looks like uh, Auto Hunter is that is that place to go to find those new classics. Yeah, we have uh, right now we're running uh, three no-reserve Acuras through uh, a friendly consigner that's local here in, in Arizona with us. Mm-hmm. That uh, He's a Honda guy through and through, and these are stellar examples. Uh, one of them is a legend that uh, we can all relate to. Uh, the The build quality of these vehicles is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, you know, maybe while we were growing up at a uh, uh, friggin' daily driver, nothing special about it, but now there's some collectability component to it. And, and we are blown away by the bidding activity on these vehicles. You guys get a chance to go out and, and check it out. But um, uh, they end in the next few days, but they're great examples and they're bringing the money and, and the interest. So yeah, uh, there's definitely a shift in, in what people are collecting. Well, the great news is that uh, our listeners can get a hold of Steve and they are the one-stop shop for all of your collector classic car needs. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's right. outstanding. Yeah. And, and, and that's another good point is, you know, just to subscribe to the classiccars.com um, newsletter. Yeah, the, yeah. There's just so much information that you can obtain and gather and read, and uh, it's engaging. It's informative. Uh, there's different articles every day that uh, that uh, come up on on classiccars.com. And, uh, and and Steve, I, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us here this evening. Um, we we have uh, really enjoyed speaking with you and learning about your automotive background and your current initiatives at classiccars.com and for our listening audience uh, check out and do subscribe to their website classiccars.com as they are an excellent source for your classic car 
And for our listeners of the podcast, like us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe so you are notified of new shows. And please leave us a review and check out, again, our new website, theclassiccarcorner.com. Um, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, by all means, we'd love to reach out to you again one of these days here soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. It was, it was my pleasure. You guys are a blast. And uh, keep your eyes peeled on ClassicCars.com for that gremlin. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's right. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be on the lookout for Dave, sure. Find him this. <laughs> All right. He's obsessive that, 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 car. that or an AMC Pacer. Oh, one yeah. two. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Awesome. Well, Steve, yeah, no, it was great, guys. Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thanks for joining us here tonight.